You can save 15% or more at Amazon when you pay with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv. You can set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can set it to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Purse makes it so easy to save money at Amazon by buying with crypto. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv and start saving now. Welcome to the Vagosity Podcast for the week of February 9th, 2020. The podcast that doesn't work because the vandals took the handles. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's denitrify the news of the bogus. And we'll start off with an update to a story we covered in November of two pen testers who were hired by the state of Iowa to test the security of Iowa's courthouses. Despite the fact that they were carrying documentation showing they were authorized to conduct a physical entry of courthouses, Dallas County Sheriff Chad Leonard arrested them. As we covered, they were authorized to impersonate staff and contractors, gain physical access under false pretenses, tailgate employees, and access restricted areas. They couldn't subvert alarm systems, force entry, or access any areas that required protective equipment, and by all accounts, they stuck to the letter of that agreement. When the alarm had sounded, then as called for by procedure, they waited for the police. They produced their documentation and explained how they gained entry, and the deputies were impressed and ready to let them go. Until the sheriff showed up. He arrested them, and they were jailed for 24 hours before being arrested on $100,000 bail. The state attempted to back out of any accountability for it by saying they didn't agree for them to do a physical penetration, even though that's exactly what the agreement with them says. In fact, state lawmakers even held hearings as to how someone could have so recklessly endangered the safety and security of its citizens. Apparently, testing security at night when no one is around for the purposes of fixing any existing security holes is endangering the public. State Senator Amy Sinclair said that the hiring of an outside company to break into the courthouses in September created, quote, significant danger, not only to the contractors, but to local law enforcement and members of the public. Senator Zach Whitting said, essentially a branch of government has contracted with a company to commit crimes, and that's very troubling. I want to find out who needs to be held accountable for this and how we can do that. So now, good news. Prosecutors have dropped charges against them, because who on earth would prosecute this case? On the other hand, who on earth would arrest them? Other than an uppity sheriff who didn't like being shown up, that is. A statement from Dallas County Attorney Charles Sennard showed some welcome sanity. Quote, Ultimately, the long-term interests of justice and protection of the public are not best served by continued prosecution of the trespass charges. Those interests are best served by all the parties working together to ensure that there is clear communication on the actions to be taken to secure the sensitive information maintained by the judicial branch without endangering the life or property of the citizens of Iowa, law enforcement, or the persons carrying out the testing. The cybersecurity community rallied around the duo and their employer, Coal Fire Labs, but some did say that these problems could be prevented by the industry coming up with badly needed standards that just don't exist yet. Chris Nickerson, founder of Lairs Consulting, said, quote, The things that concern me about this situation are more of the pieces of safety that exist across how the industry instruments doing these types of engagements. They seem very, very reasonable and obvious once they become obvious, but until then they're completely foreign to people. It's really on the owners of the organization to educate the customer of these potential pitfalls. Because there isn't a good standard. 
We haven't all gotten together and institutionalized the knowledge that we have in our heads and dump it down to paper so that someone who is new to the field being tasked with this can go through and say, hey, did you ask them if the city versus the state versus the building owner and the real estate people are all of these people in lockstep? Coal Fire CEO Tom McAndrew agreed, quote, There's no standard in the industry. When it comes to these sorts of issues in red teaming, the legal challenges and the contracts, there's really nothing out there. There are some things that can't be undone. There's the mugshots that are out there forever, but even as we get the charges dropped, these are permanently going to be in the federal database. This is a permanent thing that will reside with them, and there's no legal way we're aware of to get these charges removed from the federal database. The only problem is, Coal Fire seems to have backpedaled when they should have stood strong. They claimed that they weren't aware of the nuances involved about who has jurisdiction over a courthouse. But there really is no nuance. The state does. As we covered, the state is the source of all political power in this country. The states have ratified the Constitution to give the U.S. government its power, and they have created counties, cities, and other municipalities who get their power and authority from the state. And if the state wants to conduct a security audit of its own courthouses, there should be nothing stopping them. Of course, the other issue is, if there are any nuances, the onus is on the state to know what they are when they contract with cybersecurity professionals. Here's the problem. The state hired security professionals to test the security of a courthouse. They gained entry too easily, and a sheriff was embarrassed. But nothing about the conversation since then has been about that. If you're tired of these promos, regular supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv and sign up for Patreon or Subscribestar at any level. Ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit. And so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. So we have another couple of stories on the coronavirus outbreak, this first one about one of the many pseudoscientific conspiracy theories floating around out there. Unlike really dumb ones like the Flat Earth or Chemtrails, some of these can be very convincing to people who, through no fault of their own, don't understand the science involved. And this is one of those. The idea that 2019 NCOV has been proven to be genetically engineered because it contains genetic sequences found in HIV. The claim, popularized online by one Dr. Eric Feigelding, I know, some days it's just too easy, is that China has been secretly developing this as a bioweapon and it got away from them. They were, so the claim goes, working with coronavirus from bats and sticking in genetic sequences from HIV to make the disease more virulent and resistant to the human immune system. Some Indian researchers published a paper, and by publish I mean put online with no peer review, showing these uncanny sequences of unique inserts. Quote, 
To our surprise, these sequence insertions were not only absent in S-protein of SARS, but were also not observed in any other member of the Coronaviridae family. This is startling, as it is quite unlikely for a virus to have acquired such unique insertions naturally in a short duration of time. So Feigelding tweeted, Bottom line, 1. Seafood market not the source. 2. This RNA coronavirus mutates really fast. 3. DNA has unusual middle segment never seen before in any coronavirus. 4. Not from recent mixing. 5. That mystery middle segment encodes protein responsible for entry into host cells. To his credit, Feigelding did call for caution and asked for the results to be replicated before anyone went flying off the handle. But all you really had to do was just ask a proper expert, like the one at Trevor Bedford Research, who tweeted, These short inserts do indeed exist in NCOV 2019 relative to its closest sequenced relative. However, a simple blast of such short sequences shows match to a huge variety of organisms. No reason to conclude HIV. To be clear, these observed insertions in spike protein are completely consistent with naturally occurring evolution in these viruses in bats. He went on to tweet several examples of these same sequences showing up in other strains of bat coronavirus. He looks at the insertions one by one, showing that it's impossible for them to be inserted sequences and often showing that they're just an artifact of alignment. In fact, the only unique sequence he found was just four amino acids long, a very tiny sequence that in no way indicates genetic engineering. Feigelding actually thanked him and requested he get it properly published, which is why we stopped short of insulting the guy or even making fun of his name, which I have to tell you was really difficult and I think shows incredible restraint on our part. But the conspiracy cranks out there aren't as likely to be swayed by the facts, sadly. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. And the next one is just this weird piece from Bay Area newspaper, The Mercury News, about how Santa Clara County must get real on coronavirus. Not kidding, that's their actual headline. Okay, it's a letter to the editor from Elizabeth Erickson of Mountain View, so we can't blame the paper here, but this is just a fond of not just bogosity, but pure weirdness. Quote, I read with dismay about the first case of coronavirus in Santa Clara County. This was easily predictable. County health officials seem not to be doing anything transparent about the risk, and it is a travesty that San Jose and Oakland Airport were still not screening passengers. The thing is, that airport doesn't have any flights to or from China. Air China and Lufthansa ended their service to the airport in 2018. 
So what does this stupid woman want him to do? She says, This potential coronavirus carrier arrived at the San Jose airport from Wuhan, China on January 24th, yet there hasn't been a single peep about screening persons coming into San Jose airport. A simple search would have told her that there are no flights from Wuhan to San Jose, or from anywhere else in China for that matter. According to the story she's responding to, quote, County Health Officer Sarah Cody said the man recently traveled to Wuhan, China and returned January 24th to Mineta San Jose International Airport and then first showed symptoms after getting home. So they didn't say he came directly home. He went somewhere else first and then flew back. The story doesn't say if he simply got a connecting flight or if the rest of his trip was somewhere else, but either way, it would be that airport doing the screening from passengers coming from China. And also, he was asymptomatic at the time, so how does she imagine this screening would work? Does she imagine them using tricorders or something? The man, according to the same story, has isolated himself in his home and avoided all contact to avoid spreading the disease, leaving only on two occasions when outpatient treatment was needed. So this isn't just about making fun of one Bay Area idiot, certainly there are a lot of those, but this goes back to what we were saying last week about how hysteria makes people want to act before thinking or before doing any research at all. I get the Mercury News publishing letters to the editor and how they'd want all opinions aired, but this woman is going to do nothing except exacerbate the damage coming from the overreaction to yet another supposed pandemic. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to deindustrialize this week's biggest bogun emitter. And this week it goes to the UN, who have officially accused the Saudis of hacking Jeff Bezos' phone. After a huge investigation under the UN Special Rapporteur from several independent experts, they found absolutely no actual evidence whatsoever. But, like a moon hoaxer, just wind anomaly hunting. If you really want to find reasons to come to a preconceived conclusion, you can. If the evidence runs out, just keep looking until you find something weird. Once you go that way, as Errata Security's Robert Graham points out, you're going to have two results. Evidence of wrongdoing, or funny things that suggest wrongdoing. What you're not going to find is that there was no wrongdoing. The process just doesn't have that as a potential outcome. As Graham says, quote, Bizarre and inexplicable behavior doesn't mean a hacker attack. 
Pretty much every user of technology experiences this. Paranoid users often think there's a conspiracy against them when electronics behave strangely, but behaving strangely is perfectly normal. It's just confirmation bias. When you start with the conclusion, everything strange is considered to be proof. If you start with space aliens, every strange thing was done by the space aliens. If you start with a fake moon landing, every weird thing in the pictures is proof of the fake. So this all started a year ago when the National Enquirer tried to extort Jeff Bezos over texts he was sending with Lauren Sanchez. Bezos immediately accused the Saudis and kept it up even after it was discovered that the texts were released by Lauren's brother, Michael Sanchez. So you've got this report now that says, quote, The downloader that delivered the 4.22 megabyte video was encrypted, delaying or preventing further study of the code delivered along with the video. It should be noted that the encrypted WhatsApp file sent from MBS's account was slightly larger than the video itself. Anyone familiar with cybersecurity will point out several problems, the most immediate being that end-to-end -end encryption like WhatsApp uses, as we've mentioned several times, only encrypts between the two ends. It has nothing to do with how it's stored, and if you can unlock someone's phone, of course you can read their texts. The same is true with the image of the phone investigators were working with. They had the keys to decrypt the video. They just didn't know how to do it. The other dumb thing is the encrypted file being larger than the video itself. Of course it was! Encryption uses padding. And it probably uses authenticated digests and various header and footer information, all of which add to the size of the file. This is normal. It's standard. It's expected. Where did they find these so-called experts? Graham pointed out, quote, this is a great demonstration of confirmation bias in action, how dragons breed on the edge of maps. When you expect the encrypted and unencrypted versions to be the same size, this anomaly is inexplicable and suggestive of hacker activity. When you know how the encryption works, how there's always an extra 10 to 25 bytes, then the idea is silly. It's important to recognize how much of the story hinges on this one fact. They have the unencrypted video and it's completely innocent. We have the technology to exonerate that video, and it's exonerated. Thus, if a hack occurred, it must be hidden behind the encryption. But when we unmask the encryption and find only the video we already have, then the entire report will break down. There will no longer be a link between any hack found on the phone and the Saudis. Here's another dumb part of the report, quote, Within hours of the encrypted downloader being received, a massive and unauthorized exfiltration of data from Bezos' phone began, continuing and escalating for months thereafter. The amount of data being transmitted out of Bezos' phone changed dramatically after receiving the WhatsApp video file and never returned to baseline. Following execution of the encrypted downloader sent from MBS's account, egress on the device immediately jumped by approximately 29,000%. Okay, first of all, there is no such thing as a normal baseline of traffic coming from a phone. Users do weird things like suddenly forwarding an email with large attachment or visiting a large website. They can download apps that call home for various reasons. There are backups that run, all sorts of things. As soon as you receive a large video from someone, it's probably going to store it on the phone and that phone's backup immediately send it out. This is not any kind of red flag. Also, these experts are pretending that all of our traffic fits into these nicely examinable chunks of hours or days, but an app might report in a moment all of the traffic it's been sending for months.
That moment of time represents the date the record of the data was created, not when the actual data itself was sent. Graham gives some personal examples, quote, I see one day where the Uber app exfiltrated 56 megabytes of data from my phone, which seems an inexplicable anomaly. However, that's just the date the record is recorded, reflecting months of activity as Uber is run in the background on my phone. I can't explain all the bizarre stuff I see on my phone. I only ever download podcasts, but the records show the app uploaded 150 megabytes. Even when running over months, this is excessive. But lack of explanation doesn't mean this is evidence of hacker activity trying to hide traffic inside the podcast app. It just means something odd is going on, probably a bug or inefficient design that a support engineer might want to know about in order to fix. Graham is careful to point out that this doesn't exonerate the Saudis. Bezos's phone could have been hacked, and it could have been the Saudis that did it. But you need evidence, and there just isn't any here. Graham concludes, quote, the mainstream press has done a crappy job. It's a single-source story starting with experts say. But it's not many experts, just the FDI team. And they aren't unbiased experts, but those hired specifically to prove Bezos' accusation against the Saudis. Rather than healthy skepticism looking for other experts to dispute the story, the press has jumped in taking Bezos' side in the dispute. I am an expert, and as I've shown in this blog post and linked posts with technical details, I can absolutely confirm the FTI report is complete bunk. It contains no evidence of a hack, just anomalies it pretends are evidence. So all of that makes the UN this week's Biggest Bogan Emitter. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling, or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I, Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now let's stigmatize this week's Idiot We've covered a lot of bizarre stuff that YouTube has taken down for copyright infringement, up to and including random noise. But this time they've really outdone themselves. They took down a live stream for copyright infringement before it even began. Yes, before there was any content at all, YouTube judged that it was infringing on copyrights. It was against Matt Binder, who does the Doomed podcast, which is live streamed through YouTube. Binder had scheduled a show discussing CNN's Democratic candidates debate, which he scheduled as a live stream containing the words post-democratic debate. YouTube then sent him a takedown notice on behalf of Warner Brothers Entertainment, the owner of CNN. According to Binder, quote, 
The notice informed me that I had received a copyright strike for my scheduled stream. That one copyright strike was enough to disable live streaming on my channel for the strike's three-month duration. If I were to accumulate three strikes, YouTube would just shut down my channel completely, removing all my content. Binder appealed, figuring that this was just the behavior of some bot that didn't know any better. But that appeal was denied because it wasn't clear he had a valid reason to file a counter-notification. What? The way he got it all reversed was by posting it by tagging YouTube, saying that he was going to be writing about this issue. That worked, and the copyright strike was removed. But what about smaller channels that don't have a big audience they can use like that? Most of us feel completely cut off from any ability to reach out to any human being at YouTube. If you don't have a zillion Twitter followers, or you don't have a large reader base that you can post your grievances to, where does that leave you? But the big thing I keep wanting everyone to keep in mind is that this is broken by design. Assuming CNN really was doing this and not a bot, it's not because they're afraid of YouTubers infringing on their copyright. It's because they're afraid of competition. They don't want anyone else's commentary out there being different or perhaps even better than the commentary they put out. And even if it was done by a bot, the end effect is the same, and the incentive is going to be to leave this system just as it is, if not make it even more restrictive. So all of that makes YouTube this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Maybe You Got Too Much Sugar in Your Diet edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please keep this podcast going by hitting like and subscribe and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogosity.tv, including PayPal, cryptocurrency, or subscribing at Patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad-free. Also, please come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Robert Heinlein. While the laws of statistics tell you how unlikely a particular coincidence is, they state just as firmly that coincidences do happen. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now.